What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Today, we're going to break down what strategies, passive income strategies will work in the upcoming crash. And I want to make sure that if you're a, an accredited investor, you're someone who's looking to be around other smart people. You're, you want to be challenged. You want to be looking for ways to build not only 100% of your monthly expenses and passive income, but 200%. But you need to level up. You've got to get in the right rooms, have the right people who already have the right experience to help you level up then I want to encourage you to go to thepassiveincomeretreat.com. That's thepassiveincomeretreat.com. We have an event coming up in Denver, Colorado in October of this year, and you're going to not want to miss the opportunity to be in the room with these seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs to be able to get those ideas, those strategies, so you can level up to where you want to be. All right, today as we break down this this approach, we're going to talk about three specific things, the five things needed to do a deal, what Joey and I have already learned and tried so far, and three, our opinions on if we do have a stock market crash, if we do have a, a, a overall market crash happening, what strategies will work and which ones do we believe won't work during this time? Let's jump into uh, our passive income report of July of 2023 right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. All right, today we're going to be breaking down the things that are working um, currently in today's market, the things that aren't working in today's market. But really what I want to focus on today, Stallion, is more to talk about what will work or will not work as we enter this upcoming crash. Because I have a feeling that we have a crash coming and I'm the ultimate optimist. So I'm not bringing the bad news blues here, man. I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy. I'm just telling you. Like when you start looking into the Asian markets, you start to see that they're down 10, 20, 25, 30%. We're getting um, you know, friends in the real estate world. They are down. They, they've um, More real estate people, professionals are leaving the market than entering right now. Right? Mm. We're, we're seeing uh, house prices. Every, every Zillow I'm following is dropping. There is an upcoming pullback, right? We're in the middle of it. We're going to look back years from now and say, oh, we were right in the middle of it when we were having this conversation. So I'm not predicting anything. I'm just literally just reading what's happening out there. And I want to bring this up because this isn't intended to scare you. You're listening to this for, for reasons, right? You're listening to learn. Those who are informed can make decisions that will ultimately take advantage of all the opportunities, but you got to be prepared for opportunities. So, Joey, when we talk about the number one obstacle to becoming financially free is what? Access to cash. The obstacle is having access to cash? Not having access to cash. Excuse me. Got it. Yes. 100% not having access to cash. So this is so important, Tribe. We've, we hammer we, we hammer the fact that you have to have access to money. There's so many things that are pulling at your dollar. There's retirement accounts, those 401k plans, those IRAs that are just this siren song to put money in there, to keep giving them money for the next 10, 20, 30 years with the hope that all things will be fine and dandy 30 years from now. Don't worry about what happened in 2023, 2024. In 2068, you're fine, right? Like it all smoothed its way out. That's that's one of the big issues. Another big thing is that we're trying to pay off every debt we have. Well, 
I would say when in a market crash, we do want to eliminate unnecessary liabilities. I'm in the process. I've been telling Joey, like I've, I've probably acquired too many personal liabilities and I've been trying to figure out ways personally to back out of some of those things to reduce some of those stupid expenses that exist. And the third way that we do is that we end up paying cash for everything and we never count the cost of it. So those three big mistakes is what keeps us from having access to cash. But when you understand that those are the mistakes, Joey, they have to have a place to put cash. There's a reason why we've been talking about infinite banking all summer long, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, it solves all those things, right? It, it gives you the process to count the cost of paying cash. It gives you a real tangible way to quantify that because as we've said before, the real cost of paying cash is the opportunity cost and nobody ever sends you a bill for that. There literally is no uh, nothing that has been physically provided to you to show you how much that money actually costed you because it was not growing on your behalf. And besides that, it gives us a place that we can access our capital to take advantage of deals. Because I want to just reiterate what you just said about the market. There's always two sides to any market. And there's one that is insanely profitable and one that is insanely difficult. You just have to figure out which side of the uh, market you want to be on. And which one did you can actually benefit from? Because Nelson Nash, the, the author of Become Your Own Banker, the, our mentor, the guy that set us on this path, he used to always say this. If you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. And I just apply that to this market right now. That's why we're investing this time with you to go through these things and to give us give you our insights. And we're also sharing things that we've heard in our masterminds, other people that are in community with us so that we can gain the perspective of others and then share that with others so that uh, we all can be in that rising, rising tide and take advantage of these opportunities. It, you, you have to be, and I hate to tell people what to do. I mean, unless it's Joey, cause I'm always telling you what to do, right? <laughs> but you have to be in a collaborative environment. If you're not collaborating with others right now, you're going to get left behind. Right. Like to, to think that you're the only one with all the great ideas. I know they call me the idea guy, but <laughs> man, rarely is the idea of mine. I'm just looking and listening to others ideas and putting my little small tweak or spin on it or just literally running with it. Sometimes for worse. Right. There's been some examples that haven't worked out always, but you got to be collaborating. You have to be leveling up with others because so many people have a different viewpoint on the world. Joey, we're going to be in our Passive Income Mastermind Club 200 call a little bit later today. And what are we doing? We're mastering, we're, we're collaborating, right? Absolutely. We're, we're taking in the perspective of, other, of others and not assuming that we already have arrived. But again, another thing Nelson would say is, uh, do you have the arrival syndrome? If you think that you know all the answers right now, and if you think that you can't be taught, you've got this arrival syndrome, and it is one of the biggest barriers that is keeping you from either financial freedom or at least further financial success. So, right, so this, you got to get rid of that. So this podcast, we're going to break down kind of what strategies are working, what's not. Um, let's first talk about there, there's five things that is required to do a deal, Joey. And right. in the South, it's a redneck motor. M-O-T-E-R. What's that acronym stand for? <laughs> well, there's five things that you have to have to put a deal together and to create passive income, right? Money is the M. O is opportunity. T is time. E is experience. And R is relationship. And we so add that relationship, by the way. I'm, I want to, to, to mention this for a second. Because relationship are the accelerators. We've learned this from Sharon, our, our mentor and, and, and business partner. And we've heard it from each of you. As you've come to our events, you've come into our masterminds, you realize that, man, the relationships that you get compress time. They make getting to financial freedom and or to growing your vision of what's possible in like a tenth of the time. And that is unbelievable to me that, People forget that. And that's why we added that little redneck R on the end is the motor. 
So we're going to come back. We're going to break that down a little bit because I want to help you. If this is the very first time you're hearing us or you're really early on your journey, you're trying to figure out how to build passive income streams. There's a lot of potential hangups you may have in that first uh, section there. The second section, Joey, we've got to talk about what we've tried, right? Every single month we come, we show the world our passive income report. We started this three years ago with about $2,500 a month in passive income. We've grown it to where consistently it's in the 50,000, sometimes 60. I think last month uh, in the month of June um, of 2023, we we're over 75,000, right? So we've had some some successes, but we've also had several failures. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're trying and what we're doing. But thirdly, we want to talk about kind of, I, I really want to hear your opinion on this, Joey. I want to think about, man, if we truly are going into a market crash, if we are going into an environment of a pullback, like maybe what we saw in 2009 and 10, what do you believe in this market will be working? And what are the things that maybe we're currently doing that we need to get out of? Because that, that will be huge to understand. And I, this is definitely going to be very uh, um, opinionated, but it's going to come from an experience of where we are and what we're looking at. You cool with that, Joe? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that'll be really helpful. All right. Number one, motor. The M was for money. The biggest obstacle to becoming financially free. One more time, Joey. The lack of access to cash. Right. So, so many times... You're, you're sitting there and say, okay, in order to be able to put together a deal, to do a deal, I need money. And the answer is yes, you do need money. So if you've got your money stored somewhere, you can't touch it, it's going to potentially be a hindrance for you taking advantage of opportunities, being able to get into deals, to even see deals, right? So, so many times people don't even look at deals, don't even get an opportunity to see deals and or see too few of deals to know which ones are really good or bad because they have no money or they have no access to money. So you need to understand that this is such an important factor. It's why having cash value life insurance is our key ingredient for keeping our money liquid because we don't want to stick it in the bank. I mean, I'm just telling you, if things are failing, you know who else is potentially going to fail? The banks. Go back and look at 2008, 2009, 2010. We had almost 500 banks failing a year per year during that time. And we're starting to see the, the uptick in the banking world. I don't want to get all my money there, right? I want to be very no. cautious. I want to protect it. That's the reason why we do that. People are like, is it because life insurance is so great? It's not that because it's so great. It's because it's safe, right? right? These companies are hundreds of years old. There's a reason why we store money there. It's safe from, um, from taxes. It's safe from creditors. It's safe from the um, the the fractional banking system that exists. Right. I, I want to add to that. The biggest thing that I've heard from people in our community as to why they're not at the level that they need to be. There's two two factors I want to talk about that pertain to money. They think money is literally the only thing that they have to have in order to do deals. And they forget the other four pieces of the puzzle. And two, two examples recently that I want to point out, two people in our community, one in our mastermind had a, a guy that he's like, man, I really love the people in the mastermind, but I think I'm going to have to get out. And I'm rest. I was like, what are you talking about? That makes no sense. He's like, I just feel like they have more money than me. And so they hear of a deal, they could take advantage of it, but I don't have access to as much money. He's more of a entrepreneur. He's more of like building businesses from scratch. And that's kind of been his MO his whole, this whole time. And I said, but do you think that the best investors in the world always use their own money to do deals? Mm. It was just a simple question. And he was just sorry, like- sorry, Pause right there replay what joey just said do you believe that the best investors in the world always use their money to do deals keep going sorry the answer is emphatically no because everybody has a cap on their own money but there there's something unique whenever you put yourself in a position to learn all of these different passive income streams you you're getting on these calls you're investing in yourself all of a sudden you start to see the world around you and there's a lot of people in your world that don't have access to those deals. They don't have access to the experience that you have. They don't have access to the experts that you're learning from. 
And if you don't take that and offer the opportunity for those people to join you in investing, number one, you're limiting yourself. And number two, you're actually in some ways being really selfish because you've got, uh, you've got this knowledge that so few people have. And whenever I put it to him like that, it was like a light bulb went off for him because he's naturally a person that wants to give back. He's naturally a person that wants to invest in other people. In fact, many of the businesses he started, he's put operators in that he loves and wants to support. And they've been successful as a result of them working together. But man, when I put it into like in a light like that, he was like, wow, Joe, he's like, you're right. I need to be thinking much, much bigger that the money that I need to do deals is not necessarily always mine. It's it's all the people around me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the T and the E and put them together for an example, just to reiterate what you just said there. So the M in this redneck motor was money, right? That's right. The O is having opportunity, right? Opportunities. You might be the one who is in a job who's able to see the opportunities, right? We have Rick Rao that was on our podcast recently. He spoke at an event that we were doing where he was saying how he had opportunities coming at him, but he didn't know how to take advantage of them because he didn't have the money. But all of a sudden, he started to use two things that he did have, time and experience, yep. right? He had experience in working in a development space, he had time once he was able to do one deal and walk away from his job, had enough income from put, doing that deal to be able to free him up for 12 months to work on another one. So he freed up time. So then he could be the one who could then take the opportunities that he had available, the time that he had available in his ex background and experience and utilize and partner with other people's money to do the deals. There's so many ways to get deals done, but so few of us will actually get creative. We'll say, oh, Russ, that T, that T is the one I don't have. I don't have any time. Man, I wish I had more time to fill in the blank, spend it with my family, be able to, uh, you know, go to the gym. I'm, I'm in poor health because I've just run my body to zero. I don't have time because I'm, 50 years old, and there's only so many more years left on this ticker before I'm not able to, to be able to go and work. I don't have time because my job demands 80 hours a week of me. Well, if you don't have time, then that's the thing that you have to start to get. You have to find the angles to help you with that. So the M was money, O is opportunity, T is time, E is experience, right? I have another mastermind right. member who, who had experience in doing land flipping in a really big way. And what did he do, Joe? He went and partnered with another guy who was helping him solve the money problem. And they started doing deals, $100,000, $200,000 deals, flipping them for cash for 50 to 100% profits. And what ended up happening is they, they were, as he continued to gain experience, continued to utilize the time he had and partner with somebody else's money, opportunities kept flowing, right? The O kept flowing. 100%. And what did he do? He started finding ways to do larger six-figure deals, now starting to do seven-figure deals. All of that was available because he had access to opportunity, he had time, and he had experience. The last one, Joey, was the R and motor. Hit on that. That's, that's right. And what you're talking about is sometimes the money comes from relationships, and it's not always the money side that comes from relationships. Sometimes it's the opportunities. Because I know so-and-so, they're now giving me access to deals that nobody else has. That's my unique ability. Now I can go out to the marketplace with and, and do that. I'll give you uh, another example. I just actually talked to our friend Larry Murray. And Larry is a firefighter. Uh, he's a captain of a fire firefighting um, uh, place in, in Baltimore. And what he... What he told me is, man, he's got opportunities all the time. He can underwrite a deal like crazy. But what he always needed was access to more money. He needed people. He said, I'm really not good at capital raising. But, do you know, he has been able to be involved in multiple multifamily deals. And now he's even venturing into short term rentals because he's never let that stand in the way of him expanding 
because he could always find through relationships, either in uh, the, the community he was in with the multifamily or within Wealth Without Wall Street, he's been able to find the money. It, it just is there. It's abundant. And we have to get out of this idea that it's always scarce or it's something that it's hard to come by. But here's the thing is we're talking about the pending upcoming potential crash, right? Well, boy, there's going to be a lot of conversations happening around the water cooler. There's going to be a lot of conversations happening at the kids sporting events, family reunions. People are going to be trying to figure out what do I do now? Right. Cause over the last eight to 10 years, even though the last two years in the stock market has been crap, last 10 to 10 years, people have just been printing money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in the fact that their account values have been going up, they ain't actually been taking any money. Just the, you know, that, that's great. That's great cash revenue for all the financial uh, people in the world that get paid fees on it. They actually have been getting the money, but everybody else is just watching their account values go up. And you have to be really bad to have lost money as the government has just been increasing the money supply. But what we've seen is the stock market over the last two years gone flat, right? It's actually even a little bit down. So people are going to start, when it starts going down though, like it's been kind of flat, but when it starts losing 5, 10, 20, 25%, that's when people start going, ooh, what do I do now? And they start asking questions. They start looking around. Well, man, there's the opportunity. You got relationships all over the place. So the opportunity to to build relationships, to talk to people, to go to events. We're about to have an event. I don't know if this is going to go live before then or not, Joey, but we're going to be live in Nashville here at the end of August. And the relationships are the accelerated. That's where people will develop opportunities with connections, people that they can learn from, that they can do deals with, that they will be able to, you know, ask questions of in the future. Relationships are so huge. Why did we start this podcast? Because we didn't know where the deals were. We didn't know where to take our, our cash values and deploy them to create passive income. So we went to the source, to the people who are the experts. And did, did we just do the podcast and never talk to those people again? No, we followed up. In fact, um, you know him, you love him, uh, Mark Podolsky, the land geek. We have now spent, I think, what did we decide, 14 or 15 boot camps in a row, we've been present in their community to provide value around this infinite banking concept. And that he's been present now is a member and a founder of our Passive Income Mastermind. So those relationships have continued to grow. And it's just a matter of, you know, where did it all start? Just a simple interview to, to share that with you. Well, and, and without without that relationship, right, without having that done that podcast, without deepening that relationship, going to where we actually could learn more about it, we wouldn't have been doing land flipping, right? So right. as we move into this second section, I want to talk about what we've tried. We've tried a lot of things. We've done land flipping. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we've done short-term rentals. We, we have uh, done crypto mining. We have done syndications. Uh, we've got into the the course creation, affiliate marketing. Uh, we've done private lending of lots of different ways. We've started investing into small companies, startup companies. Uh, we've even created uh, minimal re- revenue uh, in the the Turo and the revenue uh, RV share space. Right? Like we've tried a bunch of things. It'd be hard to say many people over the last three years have tried as many different <laughs> types of things as we have. True statement. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if if you get paid for trying, we would be just just striking gold for sure. But, well, here's the thing, though. When I, I think we have been paid for trying, mm. right? We we started our passive income report in uh, July of 2020 with about $2,500 a month in passive income. That's right. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day, 
Why? Because you are unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. I'm looking at July's report for 2023 and we're just under 50,000, 49,000 and some change. Have we gotten paid for trying, Joey? We absolutely have. Yeah. So what happens is, is the old saying is what you track grows, but what you track and report on grows exponentially. So we started trying things and there's been some things that we tried and, and quit, right? Like we're like, let's get out of that. Quitting's not bad. Getting out of bad things is a good idea, right? Like don't, don't keep doing bad things. But the land flipping thing, land flipping thing has become a really beneficial thing to us. We've actually seen our net passive income almost achieve $20,000 a month. And that's a reoccurring passive income stream that comes every single month. We also were trying the short-term rental space. What did we learn there? We learned that uh, it's a, a wonderful thing to have an operator who runs everything for you because you and I could never do that. And secondly, that uh, there was a point where we decided that, man, this business really needs more of us and our money to grow to the next level. And we decided it was probably better to let the person who's more motivated to do it, to actually take it, take the reins. And we were able to sell that business to our operator um, a couple months ago. So well, I, that is something we learned. I, I want to, I want to apply it to you though, as you're listening, what did that mean to you? One, if you have time and you want to find a, a, a something to get involved in. The short-term rental space is something that you can utilize some of your time, trade some of your time, and create revenue. There right. is a great way to do that. If you want to be a purely, you know, kind of business owner, find people to operate it, there's a way to do that. Joey and I figured that out because we we scaled this up to almost 30 units at one point at our peak. We we learned there's two different ways to go there. There's a path of doing, there's a path of owning. The path of owning, though, I will say you need to get 15 to 20 units in order to make that math work because it is really hard because it, the margins have been um, condensed over the last probably two years because a lot more people have got into it. What have we learned uh, about the crypto mining space, Joe? Well, for one, uh, if you're going to be mining Ethereum, um, it eventually goes away. There is no more mining opportunity for that particular um, coin. And, but we've since switched to Bitcoin. And man, there's, there's a lot of volatility and variation in that space. So it's not really a, a great passive income. It's more of, a, um, it's more of a, a change of where you're actually um, putting your cap, capital, like leaving your cash in a different format, if you will. How right. would you say it? No, that, that's good. So the uh, the other thing we talked about that we've we've been working on is things in the syndication space. And you know, one of the things that I've learned about syndications is that when you have to hand off that investment to a third party, you got to learn more about the operators that you're doing business with. It requires us to passive doesn't mean uninvolved. Passive doesn't mean not having done something, right? If you're just looking for another place to hand money off of and assume that it's going to be done exactly the way you want to, you're probably going to be disappointed, right? You might even be even worse than disappointed, find out there's opportunity where you lose money. So we have to be involved. When we get involved in syndications, we got to be able to know who the operators are. We got to understand why they're going to be successful in there. We have to do due diligence. If you don't know what all those checklists are, you got to be a part of a group that's doing that. One of the things we did in our passive income mastermind recently, we had a due diligence panel. We had some of the most successful people in the world, people who run a hundred million dollar fund, people who are CIOs for large family offices, people who are on the ground doing these things, helping give due diligence. You got to understand that. Joey, what about um, the the Turo and RV space? What what are some lessons that can be uh, taken from this and applied? Well, first and foremost, I think uh, it, it's not necessarily about creating a ton of cash flow. It's more about hacking. In my opinion, what we've learned is the Turo and the RV space, if you're going to own one and rent it, it's the amount of expenses that you don't see like, for instance, the wear and tear 
like the depreciation and the maintenance and all those things that you don't necessarily see as clearly on the front end are actually really big killers on cash flow. And so if you go into it with the prospect that this is going to make me tons and tons of money, I think you're going to be you know, disappointed. And what's, a, what's a realistic expectation on a monthly basis per vehicle? Do you think somebody should say, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to count in all the money. How much money per month should that person anticipate making? I want to say uh, it's probably $200 or less per month. I, I would agree with what that. What would you say? Yeah, no, I, I think, hey, when I, my first job out of college, man, four years, I was, I was slinging rental cars for Enterprise Rental Car Company, man. <laughs> I moved, I lived in three different uh, states, like five different cities. Boy, I, I was all over the place learning uh, this business. And a great month, a great month was if we average $150 a car on the operating side. I, I think that that is a realistic expectation. I but to your point, you're, to your point, you were you were accounting for all those things on paper that most people don't consider, like the depreciation and all those things. Am I correct? Yeah, 100%. But I want to challenge something you said there, one, because I'm learning from my end. I've learned that you cannot car hack on Turo. That doesn't exist. I think it used to, but the way the insurance, the commercial insurance world has changed, unless you have five cars or more, you can't do basically private rental to yourself, hmm. right? So now you are you can't car hack. So that's what we were going to do. That was our thought process. Oh, we'll get a couple of cars and then we'll do some car hacking for our, our teens. How about for you, man? Like with the RV, like can you, like if you rent it or do you have to rent it to yourself? Like how can you drive it and it actually be covered? So the, the operator that I work with has fleet insurance that I can pay the just daily amount of what that is whenever I take the pro take the RV out for myself. So when we travel in October um, for our family trip, we're going to just pay the, the daily amount of the fleet insurance and um, that will cover us. But the good news is, is that I don't pay uh, private insurance on the vehicle during the rest of the year because it is covered under that fleet insurance. So I was able to save about seventy to eighty dollars a month on that particular what I was paying previously, and um, so that when I use it, I only pay as I use. Well, so the the lesson I've learned in the Turo, it's I see it as a scale thing, right? If you're if you're looking just to learn and get experience running a business, you've never done something, man, great, right? Like you can do it. If you keep it small enough, you're going to learn profit and loss. You're going to learn marketing. You're going to you're going to learn customer service. Like it's a great little learner business. That's the reason I wanted to do it for my daughters. If if you think this is going to be your pathway out of the rat race, I just don't see it unless you can scale it to 20, 30, 40 cars, because it's going to take a decent amount. And in order to do that, you're going to have to have that business owner mindset. You're going to have to have the skill set to be able to manage people, manage assets. There's just a lot that goes into that. So just be careful as you go into that. I just want not not to set you up for uh, for failure, but to set you up for success. The the private uh, lending business, Joey, being in the you know, we've done two different deals where we've lent to um, both a a private note fund, but also most recently being an investor in a platform that you and I love, TriVest, right? Like That's where right. we, we were actually um, getting excited to be in that business and helping this business grow and doing some private lending just to the company itself. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not familiar with TriVest, I want to encourage you to go check it out. Um, in fact, I think we have a, a link here. If you go to TriVest dot com forward slash partners forward slash WWS. I mean, that's a that's a mouthful, but hopefully you're watching this on YouTube and you can see it on the screen. TriVest helps with exactly what you and I were just talking about in the, the motor, right? Let's say you have the opportunity, you have the time, you have the experience, but you need the money. And you know, there's people around you that want to be involved and they need access to those type of opportunities because their money's just sitting on the sideline. It's just it's actually getting eaten by the termites in their wallet, which we call inflation. And you can go on TribeVest and start a tribe to invest in those opportunities that you found. You can invite friends and family to invest with you 
and they've made it simple. They've made it easy. And that's why you and I are, are passionate about uh, both having Travis Smith, their CEO, um, at our events to share this good news with people, but also that we want to back it. We want to encourage people to use his platform because it solves a major problem and they do it better than anybody else that we've ever seen. So that's the, that's what's motivating me to be a part of this and, and encourage you to check it out. Well, I, I think going back to our first point, right? So our first point was a motor and in the motor, one of the biggest obstacles to become financially free was the money. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, we need all these other things to do a deal. We need the opportunity. We need the time. We need the experience. We need the relationships. And what I love about Trivest, Joey, is that you actually can solve the motor problem within a tribe, right? Because mm-hmm. now you get a group of people bringing money together, right? You get a group of people bringing opportunities together. You get a group of people bringing time to be able to do different elements of the business. Group of people being able to share experience, right? There'll be a few that will have great experience in certain areas. There'll be others that will bring great experience from a completely different background background that can challenge and benefit the business. And what are you doing? You're building relationships, right? You find opportunities through those. So it is such a great opportunity to use. That's why we wanted to to back it because we felt like this was a missing piece in the financial world. Tribe, if you are not already finding ways to invest with friends and family, go to trivest.com, four size partners, four size WWWS. And they're going to give you some money when you first start that first tribe to get it going. I love doing this because I think this is such a win. Um, and I, 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 you know, this one, we have tri, uh, Travis Smith speaking um, at our event coming up in Nashville, because I think it's such a needed element to this last piece. So um, real quick, first, first part was motor. Part yeah. number two was what we're doing, what we're working on. Part number three, though, Joey, as we got to wrap this up is where do we see things happen? Where do we see things going in the future and how does that benefit us? So, all right. So I'm going to take a crack at this and um, try to be as concise as possible. So a couple trends that I see in the market right now. Interest rates are super high. So the people that bought homes in the last two, three, four, five years are unless they are forced to, they're going to stay settled. Right. How can you trade a three percent mortgage for a six and a half to 7% mortgage. Um, People trying to get into the second home markets, right? Buying a beach house, buying a lake house, whatever the case may be, those properties in in general are losing value faster because the interest rates on those second home mortgages are now looking exactly like investment property loans. So they're considerably higher. Let's say the current market rate for a primary resident is like 6%. I'm just, just ballparking. A second home might be 7.5%. Didn't you say there's actually some new law or some new rule that has now taken second homes and thrown them into that where they used to not? Yes. They essentially added an adjuster to the rate to make it match what an investment property loan was, where historically it might've been a little bit higher than a primary mortgage rate, but not nearly the, the massive jump up to investment property rate. And so that's going to that's gonna cool that market down and it's going to allow some of those values to drop. Now, subsequently, you're seeing that the, the rental rates in those markets, those second homes, those short-term rentals have softened because in the last two years, it was like a frenzy. People were just renting, renting, renting. They, they wanted to get out of their house because of COVID. It just inflated that marketplace to where people were buying second homes at the low interest rates with the expectation that they were going to be able to continue to get these higher and higher you know, short-term rental rates. And the problem is those have pulled back. If you, anybody that's looking at the trends in 2023 they are lower historically than 2022 and certainly than 2021. Like 2021 was the banner year in terms of the short-term rental rates. And so some people are going to get caught like, I can't afford this like I thought I would because they were doing it off of projections. So those are a couple of things. Another thing that I just recently saw is that some of the biggest mortgage lenders are getting out of lending mortgages. Wells Fargo, for instance, my 
alma mater, if you will, <laughs> who I used to work for, they are getting out of the mortgage space. Now, what happens, Russ, whenever people... Pause right there. That's, you're talking, and it, oftentimes we just miss this. Wells Fargo, the largest by more than double the, the next lender in the mortgage space is getting out of the mortgage market altogether. They have been double the size of their second competitor and yes. they're getting out. All right, keep going. Cause that, that you just uh, can't that's, miss that. Like that, that's not just like a, a ho-hum stat. Like that is a why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I can't tell you exactly why, but I, what I will tell you is what happens whenever supply shrinks right? The demand should go up. In this case, you got people the people wanting to buy and the mortgage companies are not lending. This is, this is, a, this is a bad situation, right? In so fact, when, when there's less lenders, that's supply, right? There's less lenders, but yet there's still people looking to buy houses. What's going what, what's gonna to go up specifically, Joey? In my opinion, the rates have to stay high. Because it becomes, uh, it's in smaller, I mean, there's a smaller portion out there that people can get their hands on. So they can charge more for the use of it, if, is what I'm saying. So we've been thinking interest rates are going to come down. They have to come down, right? In fact, historically, they've always kind of come down in the, in the case of a depression or a recession. But I'm not so positive that that's going to happen as a result of something like this happening with Wells Fargo getting out of the mortgage business. Now, the last thing I'll say about this from a trend is there's more and more of these communities. Maybe you've seen them in your area where they're called build to rent communities. Have you seen these? Yeah, we you know got one about? like literally at the front of where I turn in to come back here to our little community is a build to rent. They put in 60, 70 homes they, there's two home, two two different versions in there, and they they put up sixty or seventy homes, Joey, in less than three months. I mean, just woo, and now they're full. Okay, so a couple things about that: is there that much more demand to rent, or do they know something is coming that we are not necessarily privy to? And and I, I'm you know I'm kind of a borderline conspiracy theorist, so just bear with me. But when you hear the Klaus Schwab's of the world say, in the future, you will own nothing and you will be happy. There is a trend. If you start putting together these pieces, right, the mortgage companies getting out of the business, the interest rates being so high that some people are just going to stay put. They're not going to move. And the, this whole population of millennials and Gen Zers coming up are potentially not going to get the opportunity to buy, right? Because those factors keep them from doing it they're going to have to live somewhere and there's going to be these rent to or excuse me build to rent communities that are popping up like crazy does that mean that some of these banks are switching their their whole philosophy from being the lenders to being the owners that then continue to rent in perpetuity I, that's just a thought I mean, what are your thoughts? Here's the thing is that when people are saying, well, man, if we're building homes, aren't there going to aren't these groups going to be borrowing money from Wells Fargo? And the answer is no. Right. Like the, the three big players in the mutual fund world that have like 85 percent of all the ETF money out there, they are getting all the pensions, right? All the private pensions monies they've got. So when when the Black Rocks of the world go out and buy thousands, tens of thousands of homes in cities. Are they going to Wells Fargo and taking out a loan for 80%? No. Heck no. No, they're paying cash. Why? Because they can't borrow the money. Because whose money do they have? They've got the investor's money. But as we said at the very beginning, the biggest obstacle to financially free, being financially free is that lack of access to cash. Because you've given it to those, to those jokers. You've given them all your money. And now what do they do with it? They're going out and buying all the real estate. right? They're now controlling the real estate. They're going to take that rent payment and they're going to they're going to siphon off a piece towards your uh, ETF, your mutual fund, right? And they're going to live off the fees in the middle. Yeah, they, the Wells Fargo's of the world are seeing that. They're seeing the largest purchasers are corporations. They're not individuals. 
and they like you said the the new the new people out there that the the ones coming out of college with 150 250,000 of student loan debts and they don't have md or dmd behind their name right they don't have they're not veterinarians they're not optometrists they they don't have degrees to support those incomes they're having to go into rental homes and so because of that who are they going to be renting from so as we look at this i just want to prepare kind of how do we look at the future? How do we um, compete, right? If you're if you're buying single family homes, you might say, "Man, this will be a great opportunity for me because everybody's going to be a renter." Could be, right? The problem with that is, is that if you're competing with a, a group who has ten thousand homes in the marketplace, do you think that they can operate at scale on lower rents than you can? Yes. So you might be competing. It's like having a one-bedroom unit and trying to rent it right next to the Hilton or the Hampton Inn, right? Or the Marriott, right? You just don't have that level of scale that they have. So it might be hard. So you need to be able to understand what market are you in? Can you compete with them in that environment? One of the things that I talk, we, we talk about land all the time, right? One, one of the things we know is that when things start happening like this, real assets become really valuable. So anything that's going to be a real asset that you can put your hands on, land's a great one. One of the things that, you know, that Mark Podolsky's talked about, though, if you're in the land living world and you need to be careful not to live off 100% of your note income, because when we go into a depressed environment, that will be one of those areas that people, once they get rid of all of those luxury items, right, they're going to get rid of the gym memberships, the country club memberships, the, the car wash memberships, all those things, the luxury items. At the end of the day, the, the piece of property that they're not living at is going to be the, the payment they're going to let go. They're going to let it go first. So when he saw after the last crash, what he saw is the market, uh, he saw the defaults on his properties, not in 2009, but more toward the end of 2010, 2011. So just be prepared. Now, what, what happens is eventually that people are going to come by and want to buy that land back from you, right? When they start building cash back up. So I just think we got to think about what will work, what won't, and it'll there'll be a little bit of adjustment. Being in the retail space, man, like we've already seen the retail world changing. We've got commercial realtors calling us, you know, trying to figure out how to how to reposition assets because they're seeing the market change there. You know, I think there's opportunity, Joey, for the shared workspace. I think you're going to find opportunities where shared workspaces are going to be more uh, prevalent because people are going to have to get out of those buildings that they were in. They were paying five, ten, twenty thousand dollars a month for, and now now they're having to cut back. They're going to say, "Man, I don't think I can do it from home like Russ and Joey do." Right? You know, that just it just doesn't work for me. But they're not going to go back and own a piece of property or have carry the rent of a 2000 square foot building. They're just going to go in a, a shared workspace. I think that there's opportunity uh, for people in that world. I, obviously we're continuing with the baby boomers retiring at 10,000 uh, a month right now is going to continue to grow over the next five to 10 years. I think anything we can find to, to be in that world, whether it's the assisted living, we were talking, we had that, um, that interview we did with um, tell me his name, Bon Giovanni, yeah, Chuck Bon Giovanni. Yeah, when he was talking about the residential um, kind of assisted nursing home uh, facilities, the medical care uh, facilities inside residential homes. So maybe maybe we're turning single family homes into three, five, eight uh, person units like that. I think there's going to be an opportunity in that world. We got to find ways to to get in front of that because that's continuing to grow. So there's a lots of little ideas. That, that I think will work, will not work. The key is that you have to be in community. You have to be in collaboration in order to not get left behind. I'm going to add just a couple other things, just practically in light of what we've been talking about that you should keep your eyes open for that. I know Russ and I are, are thinking about as well. If interest rates are going to be a deterrent to most people in the future, you need to be on the side of getting as much debt at the lowest interest rates as you can. Robert Kiyosaki says, I'm a billionaire in debt. And that's a smart thing for him to say because he's leveraged that debt to make all of the passive income that he has. So in what does that mean for you? That means you need to learn things like subject to 
you need to learn things like owner financing, looking for deals that are off market with people that are motivated, but they just haven't put it on the market yet. And they, when they realize that they could get a win-win situation with you to sell their house at a potentially higher price because of the financing that they provide you, that is a win. And you will be able to uh, really take advantage of some of these things if you can lock in the debt at the lowest possible terms. The same is true with owner financing. Uh, when Russ talks about the, the boomer generation is getting to the point of retirement and they're they have both businesses and real estate that they want to get rid of, that they may have been renting a house and they're just tired of the maintenance of it. Guys like Jeff Stevens, who we've had on the podcast a couple different times, as well as had him at our events. He is the master of going to those people and creating a win-win where they could continue to get paid on the property, but have none of the headache of managing that property because they provide owner financing to you as the new buyer. That's huge. Now apply that same logic to their businesses, right? So the online businesses, Russ, I know you and I are, are, are looking into various different online businesses, both Amazon and other types of things like blogs and newsletters and other things like that, that could support our business as well as other businesses that we own, that we could own or finance those businesses from these boomers who just have a great business, but they're just tired of working on them. Do you think they would love to continue to get a cash flow from that business without having to work in it day to day? Well, That's exactly what we're talking about. Well, especially since what's, you know, when everything gets um, a little bit volatile, they start wondering, am I going to run out of money? They need a cash flow that's consistent. They don't need to worry, is their renter um, going to stop coming? So if you can come in and become that person who can provide consistency to them, just to the example, Joey and I bought a house last year under subject two where we took over the mortgage of the existing homeowner at like 2.75%. <laughs> Do you think we could find a mortgage on an investment property for 2.75%? No, not a chance. But you can when you're looking for opportunities, but you have to be educated. I know this went a little bit long. Hopefully this was something that uh, helped you. Like, so if you're trying to figure out what's working, what's not, keep coming back. Every single week, we're going to keep trying to bring education, experience, and give you hopefully a community that you can plug into. If you need to get on a call, you just need someone smart to talk to. Go to whatsaboutwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Jump on a call with one of our coaches. Um, explain your situation. They'll do a great job of listening to your situation, help triage and point you in the right direction so that you can get firmly on your path becoming financially free. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.